Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. By the way, the intrepid Daniel Horowitz over at Conservative Review has done something you're not allowed to do. He's actually taking a look at Mr. Brooks's background. Did you see that, Mr. Producer? That's a pretty damn long rap sheet, isn't it? I mean, it goes on and on. I just thought I would mention that because the only people we hear from are the deceased's lawyers and family. Now, if Daniel Horowitz could dig this out of public records, so can every single journalist and newsroom in America. But they dare not. They dare not. Now, the rap sheets of the cops are made public. And I don't have a problem with that. I just want the facts out so people can actually draw their own conclusions. But that's a long rap sheet he has. Just pointing at it. Mark, that doesn't... Hey, look, facts are facts. You draw your own conclusions. We're not a jury. We're not a judge. We're not the prosecution. We're not the defense counsel. And we only hear from his lawyers. We don't hear from anybody else. Period. But that's not what I want to talk about today. You see, I don't burn books... I don't pull things down. I don't ignore history. I learned from it. And many years ago, I read a book called The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. Eric Hoffer, as you know, was a Russian immigrant. Self-taught, really. And he was a longshoreman, a union man on the West Coast. And during his lunch breaks, he had a, a notebook. And he would write his thoughts down. And he wrote The True Believer, Thoughts on the Nature of Mass Movements. And before I get into this, and look, I don't know if you all are interested when I do these deep dives into actual scholarship and so forth or not, but 
That said, I think it's important to always understand the context and the substance. Any fool can go on a website and just start regurgitating it. I see Roger Goodell wants a team to employ Colin Kaepernick. And you heard his humiliating video. And I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about these other athletes, and I've been thinking about these sportscasters, and really, they are unanimous in their commentary. There's a monopoly ideology, a monopoly point of view, and I'm thinking, in these fields, NBA, NFL, sportscasters, the multi-billionaire owners, how is it that there's no independent thought whatsoever? And the answer is this. There are mass movements. And the mass movement in the NFL and the NBA, whether the players or the owners, whether the commissioners, is preserving their enterprise. They're not down for any revolution. These people don't live among the people they claim to to want to help and defend and support. Same with the actors and actresses in Hollywood. Same with the vast majority of the media and the Democrats, period. They don't live in these communities. They're not going to send their kids to the schools in these communities. They don't mind parachuting aid in or showing up on Thanksgiving and hand out a turkey or setting up a foundation to help kids. But in terms of their own actual lives, utterly unaffected. So they can talk about systemic racism when they live among people who I presume they mean are systemically racist. And we've talked about this at length. But, but the way I would characterize this is they're not part of the protest. They're not giving voice to the protest. They are selfish and self-serving. They're trying to protect their own jobs, protect their own corporation, these leagues, and protect their massive salaries and profits. Because they're not down with the struggle. They're not down with the revolution. They're not rejecting money from the fans who are systemically racist. They're trying to preserve their status. They're trying to preserve their contracts. They're millions. In some cases, they're billions. And in many of these areas of life, particularly when it comes to the NBA and also the NFL, but particularly in the NBA, many of the fans are African-Americans and minorities. These so-called cultural leaders, what are they leading exactly? They vote Democrat, they donate the Democrats almost to a man and woman, some rare exceptions. So what are they doing? They are protecting their self-interest. They are protecting their enterprises. They're protecting their material wealth. That is exactly what they're doing. They're not part of any revolution. They're not part of any serious, substantive protest. You have people who are invested in the protests. I'll get to that in a minute. Then you have people who are invested in their own enterprises, pretending to be invested in the protest. And that's who they are, and that's what they are. Same with the media.
And by the way, the president has come up with some very important and significant proposals on police reform that don't eviscerate law enforcement. And every single Democrat I've heard said, too little, too late, it doesn't go far enough. It goes further than anything they've ever done. This is how unserious that party is. The president makes this proposal, pulls together the various parties. The Democrats, it's not enough. It's not enough. You know, we got to do more. They run the cities. They run the police departments in Minneapolis and so forth. They run most of the states. But the Republican president, who runs none of them, hasn't gone far enough. I sure as hell hope the American people wake up to this stuff. So these mass movements, the nature of these mass movements, and he says a number of things in this book, and which I'm not going to read to you, but I, but I pulled out some quotes that I do want to share with you. Eric Hoffer. For men to plunge headlong into an undertaking of vast change, they must be intensely disconnected, yet not destitute, and they must have the feeling that by the possession of some potent doctrine, infallible leader, or some new technique, they have access to a source of irresistible power. They must also have an extravagant conception of, of the prospects and potentialities of the future. They must be wholly ignorant of the difficulties involved in their vast undertaking. Because experience is a handicap. Yeah, so you burn books, you pull down statues, you're very selective in your, in your approach to history. And we see this. No longer engaged in molding a new world, but in possessing and preserving the present. It ceases to become a movement. It becomes a religion. One of the most potent attractions of a mass movement is its offering of a substitute for individual hope. This attraction is particularly effective in a society imbued with the idea of progress. For in the conception of progress, tomorrow, that is the future, looms large. And the frustration resulting from having nothing to look forward to is the more poignant. Actually, I wrote about this also in Ameritopia. This is what the Marxists do. This is what the progressives do. They are failures. So they always talk about the future. If only, if only, if only. If only you would surrender more of your liberty. Then we could have paradise right here on earth. Of course, we know that's tyranny, don't we? Hopper wrote more. He says here, the reason that the inferior elements of a nation can exert a marked influence, he's not talking about race, the reason that the inferior elements of a nation can exert a marked influence on its course, in other words, those out of power, those who, elements in society that haven't succeeded for whatever reason and so forth, and they can be very educated, too. They can be middle class. They can be upper middle class. The reason that the inferior elements of a nation can exert a marked influence on its course is that they are wholly without reverence toward the present. They see their lives and the present as spoiled beyond remedy. 
and they are ready to waste and wreck both. Hence their recklessness and their will to chaos and anarchy. Marx talked about this. He promoted it. There's more. Just trying to give you context. Not only does a mass movement depict the present as mean and miserable, it deliberately makes it so. In fashions, it fashions a pattern of individual existence that is dour, hard, repressive, and dull. It decries pleasures and comforts and extols the rigorous life. It views ordinary enjoyment as trivial or even discreditable and represents the pursuit of personal happiness as immoral. The prime objective of the ideal preached by most movements is to breed contempt for the present. Contempt. The very impracticability of many of the goals which a mass movement sets is part of the campaign against the present and that it is practical, feasible, impossible is part of the present. To offer something practicable would be to increase and promise uh, the promise of the present and reconcile with it. Faith in miracles, too, implies a rejection and a defiance of the present. In other words, you've got to destroy the present. We've talked about this as Marx. You must destroy the present. You must destroy the status quo, whether it's faith, whether it's capitalism, whether it's, whether it's monuments, whether it's the concert, whatever it is. And always hold out the future. The future. Perfection. Paradise. It's all in chapter one of Ameritopia. But I want to get back to the true believer, Thoughts on the Nature of Mass Movements by Eric Hoffer. The radical and the reactionary loathe the present. They see it as an aberration and a deformity. Both are ready to proceed ruthlessly and recklessly with the present. Ruthlessly and recklessly. The future is seen as a glorious restoration rather than an unprecedented innovation. Such brilliance. Absolute brilliance. Thus, by decreasing and deprecating the present, they acquire a vague sense of equality. Destroy that which is. Burn that which is existence. Violence. Now we're equal. People who live full, worthwhile lives are not usually ready to die for their own interests, nor for their country, nor for a holy cause. Craving, not having, is the mother of a reckless giving of oneself. Craving, not having. Now what about doctrine? The ultimate and absolute truth is already embodied in their doctrine, and that there is no truth nor certitude outside of it. So no amount of facts, whether it's police brutality, so-called, whether it's police targeting minorities, whatever it is, the facts don't matter anymore because their doctrine is a religion. They know the truth, and they are not going to entertain any disagreement, and you can see that today. You can also see it in various communist revolutions as well as other revolutions. 
Hope I'm not boring the hell out of everybody here. There's more when I return. I I, uh, I need to take a hard break. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. How come it's never up to the Democrats to unite the country? You know to that? The president had a beautiful speech today. He's talked about all the progress we've made, all the things he's done. He's talked about these, uh, these reforms he, uh, he's issued through his executive order. And even before he finishes, he's under attack by the very people whose party run these cities. It's like the athletes. It's like Hollywood. The Democrat Party is about the enterprise of the Democrat Party. It's about advancing and promoting and protecting their business. NFL, Hollywood, NBA, Democrat Party. It is the true believer's ability to shut his eyes and stop his ears to facts that do not deserve to be either seen or heard, which is the source of his unequaled fortitude and constancy. He cannot be frightened by danger, nor nor disheartened by obstacles, nor baffled by contradictions, because he denies their very existence. Strength of faith manifests itself not in moving mountains, but in not seeing mountains to move. And it is the certitude of his infallible doctrine that renders the true believer impervious to the uncertainties, surprises, and unpleasant realities of the world around him. So the effectiveness of a doctrine should not be judged by its profundity or its validity of the truths it embodies, but by how thoroughly it insulates the individual from his self and the world around him. This is exactly what you're seeing. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. So the, uh, there's, they're seeing a rapid increase, quote-unquote, in the number of uh, Wuhan China virus cases in some states. So I, I have a suggestion. Stop rioting. Stop attacking your country. That should bring the number down. Just a thought. Uh, I want to welcome Ben Dominich to uh, this show. He is a co-founder of The Federalist, one of my favorite sites. Very, very intelligent people writing over there. Very, very serious articles. How are you, sir? It's a good day to be with you, Mark Levin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've been a fan from a distance for a long time, but unlike a lot of radio hosts, I actually credit your website when I use it, just so you know. Um, I, I do know, and I always appreciate it. <laughs> but this is one of the things that concerns me. Tell me what's going on with Google and your site, The Federalist. Yes. Well, uh, today, uh, an NBC News report came out from a London-based uh, reporter who works for the NBC News, quote-unquote, verification unit, which is not something uh, that is in any way Orwellian sounding. Um, and right. and she uh, she reported that uh, our site uh, had been selected as uh, being one that had run afoul of Google's rules and was going to be demonetized uh, by their ad program, in fact, that we already had been. Uh, now, I want to make clear, uh, Mark, that this, this is false. Uh, it's actually not the case. Um, but it sparked a, a whole series of reactions, and it turned out that Google had flagged us over our comment section, which is unmoderated, always has been, uh, and uh, and apparently was was considering some kind of formal demonetization that had not yet happened. We've been in contact with Google about this, uh, and we've been in contact with a, a number of other people as well. They they said that the NBC report was false, and they put out a, a formal statement to that effect. But to me, this is a real canary in the coal mine moment in the sense that if Google, which keep in mind owns YouTube, known for a, a very toxic comment section, uh, is going to go around and start demonetizing places based on things that users are posting, it runs directly afoul of all the claims they've had uh, for the freedoms that they enjoy under Section 230 about user-created content and the like. And, and really, I think, is a, a message to any website that depends on ad revenue through Google's program. We thankfully are are positioned strongly, and, and they do not encompass the majority of our ad revenue. But it's one of these things where there are a lot of sites just use Google. And I think that these you know, big tech organizations, um, we, we have to start paying attention to what they're doing and how easily they are manipulated by woke leftist journalists and activists who are going to use them to crack down on all the people whose opinions they don't like. And I can even see people going into a site armies of, uh, of troll types making the most outrageous statements in the comments section for the purpose of triggering this. Exactly. I mean, there's nothing to prevent them from doing that. And it's one of these things where, you know, look, we're, I certainly appreciate your respect and, and how much you have 
uh, promoted and linked our, our great reporting from people like Molly Hemingway and others. But, uh, but here's the thing. We are a small organization. We have fewer than 20 employees. We don't have the manpower to police the tens of thousands of, of comments that we get on a, on a regular basis every day. And uh, in order to basically you're making the, the, the position you're taking is you can't have a comment section. Now, are they going to apply that equally? I really doubt it. I don't think that they're going to. Ben, ben let me tell you how I know they're not, because every time this site Mediaite that was founded by Dan Abrams runs something on me, which isn't often because I fight back. The comment section is loaded with anti-Semitic comments. I mean, loaded. And I don't see if they're being threatened. I haven't heard about it. Have you? Yeah. I certainly haven't, and I think that this will really let, – let's not have any illusions here. This runs in only one direction. They're going to use these rules uh, in force only against the people whose opinions they don't like. It is not an accident that we have been highly critical of, of NBC News over the past several weeks, if, given their coverage or lack thereof of the riots and the violent uh, activity that was going on uh, under the banner of these supposedly peaceful protests. And I think that this is a situation that should be a warning shot for anybody who is uh, reporting things, not just, by the way, on the right, but on the left as well, that can conflict with what the corporate media thinks about things and wants to think about things. You know, if, if you're one of these sites that comes from the left and is going to be honest about the corruption that goes on in the media, then you're just as much going to be uh, targeted by these folks because you are a threat to what they want, which is a continued narrative that they have total control over. You know, over at the Instant Pundit, another site that I like very, very much, our buddy Professor Glenn uh, University of Tennessee Law School, he says the fact that NBC, really Comcast, is egging on, in effect, Google, that this really does require an antitrust view because they're really trying to put out comp- competitors, as small as you are, but the, a number of small competitors, because they're a massive corporation. They're an international conglomerate. You say you have 20 people, you know, you probably have a very... Uh, you know, reasonable operating budget or limited operating budget. And so they can do this to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. They can try to crush you. And really, it's only because of the level of respect that we have as a media institution and the connections that we have, the people who know and respect the work that we've done on the Russia collusion hoax and on other stories over the past several years, that, that everybody who's, you know, who's reaching out is going, wow, this, this seems pretty crazy. And the thing is, we have those resources. We have the capability, just like you have the capability, Mark, to fight back against these leftists. Not everybody has that. You know, I mean, as much as I respect Glenn Reynolds, and I think that he's built a wonderful thing with Instafund, I've been reading it uh, ever since I was a wee babe. You know, it's one of these things where if they came after the individual professor with the website, you know, you wouldn't have that kind of resource. You could get crushed and, and defunded and deplatformed, and you could lose your livelihood. And that's what the left is going to continue to do if we allow them to do it and we allow these Silicon Valley companies to get away with anything that they want, which has simply been the name of the game for far too long. And I love the way they call you a far-right or controversial right-wing site. You're none of those things. It's actually very substantive, very intelligent, uh, you've got some real investigative activity going on there. You're none of these things, but this is the way NBC describes you. Yes, they, because anyone who disagrees with the narrative that they want to advance must necessarily be on the far right, on the extreme, instead of being 
what we are, which is a place that includes lots of different opinions from lots of different folks who run the spectrum in terms of their ideology, but do solid work and report the truth. And they're not going to stop us from doing it. You know, it's interesting to me that um, this this term right wing, um, I don't view us that way. In other words, I view us as quite mainstream. We're constitutionalists. We believe in individual liberty. We embrace our founding. We embrace capitalism. You know, everybody has their nuanced differences. How is that right wing? Isn't that like right in the middle of the political spectrum, at least ideologically? You know, uh, here's the thing. Uh, as you know, they will always try to paint you as an idiot or an extremist or both if you are too far to the right from their perspective. And frankly, they've, they've done that over the years with every presidential nominee, with every politician that they run into. They become far right. And then as soon as they lose, they become useful idiots who can be held up as examples of, well, wouldn't you like to be like this nice, polite, conservative loser who didn't have the audacity yeah, exactly. to beat his leftist opponent? Look, folks, this is a great site. You really ought to bookmark it, thefederalist.com. The, thefederalist.com. It really is a fantastic site. I look forward to it. And keep up the good work. you need any help, let me know. Thank you very much. I will certainly call upon you uh, if, if we have need, and we really appreciate your support. All right. My pleasure. God bless. We have to defend these sites, particularly the really, really good ones. And this is a really, really good one. And I was talking about that Mediaite site. It is a nasty site. It is ideologically radical left. It was set up by a ABC News entertainment personality uh, by the name of Dan Abrams. And you ought to see the comment sections there. They are vicious. Now, we keep an eye on our comment section, and we're not required to, on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, we have no control over it, right, Mr. Producer? We can control some of it. But if you're going to come on my sites and curse or be vicious or racist or anti-Semitic, we're going to ban you if we catch you. But I also want you to know one other thing. We've had multiple attempts. What do you call with Twitter, Mr. Producer? To have me what? Yeah. they, they uh, Reports to Twitter to have me suspended for what I link to. And they're getting more and more. Well, they're getting numerous now. And Twitter has said, no, he hasn't violated our policies. No, he hasn't. Done. But I just want you to know the uh, totalitarian mindset of the left and the Democrats. They want to put us all out of business. I mean business, whether you're running a storefront business or you're on the radio. That's what they want to do. And so they report to the authorities, quote unquote, because they know the authorities are in their back pocket. So if Twitter ever did that, obviously... We would go to war with Twitter. I mean, air war, broadcast war. Because I don't say things that are intended to be provocative. I say exactly what I believe. I say exactly what my principles require me to defend. And that's what I do. And that's what drives them nuts. Now, I want to get back to this. This, this so-called mass movement. The reason you see billionaires and millionaires and you see professional athletes and their leagues and you see actors and actresses it's not because they're quote-unquote down with the revolution it's because they're quote-unquote down with protecting their own enterprises their own lifestyle 
their own businesses, whether it's a football team or whether it's the movie industry. And Eric Hoffer writes, the effectiveness of a doctrine doesn't come from its meaning, but from its certitude. No doctrine, however profound and sublime, will be effective unless it is presented as the embodiment of the one and only truth. And by the way, the media are propagandists for this. It's obvious, therefore, that in order to be effective, a doctrine must not be understood, but has rather to be believed in. Believed in. The devout are always urged to seek the absolute truth with their hearts and not their minds. This man analyzed many, many mass movements, aggressive and totalitarian whether they be communist, fascistic, or even in our own country. An active mass movement rejects the present and centers its interests on the future. It is from this attitude that it derives its strength, for it can proceed recklessly with the present, with the health, wealth, and lives of its followers. And this is exactly what the Democrat Party does, day in and day out. And they preach that there is no hope for the frustrated in the actual and in the possible. So they have to destroy it. The, this passionate attachment is the essence of his blind devotion and, relig- and religiosity. And he sees in it the source of all virtue and strength. Though his single-minded dedication is a holding on for dear life, he easily sees himself as the supporter and defender of the holy cause to which he clings And still his sense of security is derived from his passionate attachment and not from excellence of his cause. The fanatic, because they become fanatics. The fanatic is not really a stickler to principle. He embraces a cause not primarily because of its justice and holiness, but because of his desperate need for something to hold on to. The fanatic cannot be weaned away from his cause by an appeal to his reason or moral sense. He fears compromise and cannot be persuaded to, to, quality, uh, to, uh, to qualify the certitude and righteousness of his holy cause. But he finds no difficulty in swinging suddenly and wildly from one holy cause to another. He cannot be convinced, but only converted. His passionate attachment is more vital than the quality of the cause to which he is attached. And then conversely, the spokesman of democracy. Those who defend democracy offer no holy cause to cling to and no corporate hole to lose oneself in. In other words, it's a cause of individuality. It's not a religion. It's not for fanatics. It's live and let live. Wow, that's not a cause, live and let live. You can't get all worked up passionately and emotionally for live and let live. And hatred is the most accessible and comprehensive of all the unifying agents. Taken together, what I've read to you, these various quotes in no particular order, from the true believer, thoughts on the nature of mass movements, Eric Hoffer, now you really get a good feel for what's going on here. I can talk about statistics till I'm blue in the face. I can explain things rationally and logically till I'm blue in the face. It doesn't matter. These are causes. These are fanatics. 
And as far as the wealthy, you're saying, well, how can they support the destruction of America? Actually, they're trying to protect their own circle of liberty. They're trying to protect their own circle of, uh, of enrichment. They're trying to protect their various businesses, whether they're broadcasters or basketball players or football players or actors and actresses, corporate executives, commissioners, on and on and on. They're not down for any revolution. They're up for defending and protecting what they have. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. The Democrats do not want an agreement with the Republicans legislatively on reforms, whether it's police, whether it's anything else, because they are trying to protect their business, their enterprise, and they want to attack the status quo. They want to be able to attack the person who's president. They want to be able to attack the majority in the Senate. That's to their benefit. That's their business model. Not the country. Not the truth. Not the facts. Just like we heard from the commission of the NFL. None of that matters. These are causes. This is, this is a matter of faith. And it's also a matter of of uh, self-serving and uh, protecting what you have and what's yours. And that's why they come out, the Democrats, immediately and say, this doesn't go far enough. Of course, they never even did this when Obama was president and Biden was vice president and Holder was the attorney general. This doesn't go far enough. Let me tell you something, whether it's American financing or anything else, the only thing preventing you from succeeding is you. None of this discussion ever right now is about individual responsibility and accountability, about free will, about how individuals should conduct themselves. You notice? None of it. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. My dear friend Martha has discovered Shelby. Yeah, Shelby Steele's terrific. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I just heard a gentleman who serves in Montgomery County, Maryland as a councilman. 
and what he said, and I didn't have a lot of time, and I do want to move on, was that African Americans have been either enslaved or there's been segregation or discrimination for 86% of the time African Americans have been here for, over the 401-year history. And I thought to myself, no wonder. If people think that way, they can't get out of this box. That gentleman's never been enslaved, and he's never been segregated against. And as Shelby Steele has said on my show and other places, we're free now. Everybody here is free. Everybody. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Now, a friend of mine, longtime friend and listener to the program, Don from Lake Ronkonkoma, sent me something that the great Paul Harvey said back in 1970. By my calculation, half a century ago, although it doesn't seem it. And it's about police officers. And it is absolutely fabulous three minutes. So I hope you'll raise the volume, tell the kids to settle down. If you're at the dinner table, put down the utensils. And if you're a police officer, I want you to listen to this. And the rest of America. Paul Harvey, 1970, cut one, go. Policeman. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. Called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional, they are unusual, they are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted. A strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. 
The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. All right, I'll be the one to say this. I'm sick and tired of the way cops are being treated in this country. No, I didn't say I'm sick and tired of the way bad cops are being treated. I said I'm sick and tired of the way cops are being treated. I'm not part of a mass movement. I'm not trying to protect my business or my enterprise. I call them as I see them. If somebody has statistics, legitimate statistics that demonstrate there's systemic police brutality, I want to see it. If somebody has statistics, real statistics, that there's systemic racism among the police, I want to see it. I want to see it. You're not going to find it. You'll see anecdotal accounts. And I want to go on. We're talking about transparency, right? I want to know how many cases occur each day, every week, every month, and every year where the police save somebody. I want to know how many black people are saved, how many white people are saved, because apparently this is what we do. How many Asian people are saved, how many Hispanic people are saved. I want to know how many children are saved, how many senior citizens are saved. I want to know their ages. I want to know everything about them. And I want to know how the police officer saved and protected them. I want to know how many times officers around this country have given CPR. To a black man, to a white man. To a Hispanic man, to an Asian man. To women. How many times? I want to know how many times police have joined with firefighters in this country to save men and women who've had heart attacks or strokes. To get involved in a in a dispute between a husband and a wife or a girlfriend and a boyfriend that becomes violent. How many times have they done that? Where are those statistics? We want transparency. Well, I want transparency. I want to know why the media, every time we see one of these films... Rightly tells us about the rap sheet, quote-unquote, of the officer. What about the rap sheet of the other individuals who are involved? Why can't we talk about that? Why can't we see that? You want to know the truth? Well, the truth requires more information, doesn't it? A lot more information. Since there's hundreds of millions... I didn't say millions. There's hundreds of millions of contacts between police officers and civilians. 
They say they want body cameras. Why? The people pushing for body cameras, is it because they believe in justice? Or they want to use every incident for some so-called revolutionary cause? I want to see a little bit of equality on television. Why do we only see the lawyers for the victims? We never hear the cop side. All day long. There's a media blitz. How about the families of the officers? Never hear from them either. Never. Of course, any police force is imperfect. Any school system is imperfect. The NFL and the NBA is filled with imperfect people. People do some really stupid and evil things in every walk of life. My profession, lawyers, we're joked about because there's so many slip and fall lawyers. There's bad doctors, bad professors, bad politicians, bad journalists, and yes, some bad cops. And yet the cops have it the toughest. They're always going to be second guessed by people who hate their guts and people who think they're smarter than them. Always second guessed. Well, then any kind of due process. We have this situation in Atlanta. I told you. There are the lawyers, 9 p.m. Eastern time on the weekend, telling us what happened to their deceased client. It had very little to do with what I saw on those various videotapes. And yet, all the news platforms covered it. It wasn't challenged. All the information wasn't in. And it didn't matter. Didn't matter. That's the nature of mass movements. That's the nature of the mob. Police officers aren't our enemy. If you're a career criminal, they're your enemy. Mr. Brooks has a very, very long rap sheet. Look, I don't know how this investigation is going to turn out. I believe in letting the process work. I'm not the one saying that the justice system is also systemically racist. Whenever you don't get your way, it's systemically racist. So the jury in a particular community of like individuals, as the founders intended, they're systemically racist. Liberal activists, trial judges are systemically racist. Defense counsel are systemically racist because you have to believe all those things if you believe the system is systemically racist. It's the poor criminal. Poor criminal. Who's the real victim, you see. So we want transparency. You keep hearing this, right? We want transparency. Then why is the only place I found the rap sheet on Mr. Brooks in Daniel Horitz's piece at CR? And it is a long rap sheet. Oh, I know the argument. That doesn't mean that the outcome with Mr. Brooks was the right outcome. Okay. 
but the rap sheet on the cop does. See, here's the difference. I'm not here to defend people who do the wrong thing, whether they're career criminals or whether they're police officers. On the other hand, I'm not here to smear people because of their race or because of their profession. I'm not here to do that, but others are. But others are. The entire focus now is on reforming police. Yet it was the police, local, state, and federal, who went after the killer of Mr. Floyd. And of course, the Democrats who have their own business model, their own model for power and money. The President of the United States signs an executive order. Not enough. Just around the fringes, just around the edges. Not enough. Then they say, why can't the President unite us? Never are the Democrats asked, why can't you unite us? Why can't you get behind one thing that this president does? No way. Can't do that. Chuck Schumer, is there anything the president says or does that he can support? Nancy Pelosi, no way, right? But the tables are turned. Here the president has done something with an executive order. It's all he can do. He doesn't legislate. And they're jumping up and down, the Democrats, who haven't done a damn thing on any of this. Run the damn cities, run the damn states, run the damn police departments, haven't done a damn thing. But the president hasn't done enough. It's like this coronavirus. People are burning down their own cities, their own neighborhoods. Antifa's coming in. Left-wing Marxist anarchist group, mostly white. Doing it. Oh, it's mostly peaceful. No talk about spreading the virus, a pandemic. No, no talk about the second coming of the pandemic. No, 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 no. You even had so-called scientists and medical experts on television so irresponsible saying, hey, look. You know, discrimination and so forth, that's a real health issue. So when you balance the two, it's OK. OK. Now Trump wants to hold a rally. Now. We're really going to second wave of this pandemic. It's going to be Trump's fault. I hate the media. Hate's a strong word. But when you're trying to destroy my country, when you're trying to create a race war, when you're trying to undermine our republic by pushing for a coup and then a phony impeachment, when you say nothing about the Obama administration inserting FBI agents, excuse me, informants, spies, into the Trump campaign and then criminalizing a phony investigation into Russia collusion? These same people out there talking about our justice system. We need transparency. Didn't matter when it came to Trump. Didn't matter when it came to the last election. They have no problem with crooked cops then. None whatsoever. Why is that? So the Democrat Party has its business model. And its business model means destroy the president, never agree to anything, even if it means burning down the country. Never criticize the rioters, or if you do, do so in passing and make sure you whisper. Just keep saying it's mostly peaceful. Well, what what does that mean, Mr. Producer, mostly peaceful? Because apparently it means that it's not completely peaceful. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We are going to take some calls today. We have a great guest next hour. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to tell you. Tim Kane. Do we have time for Tim Kane, Mr. Producer? Too close. Well, we'll play Tim Kane after the bottom of the hour. <clears throat> Hat tip the Hill newspaper. Tim Kane said something that's extraordinary. He said the United States didn't inherit slavery. I want you to hear it from himself, from anybody. We created it. The United States created slavery? Actually, the United States didn't create slavery. The United States was one of the last countries to come to slavery, except countries today in Asia and Africa and the Middle East that still enslave people. China. But that's a lie. As I told my friend... Larry O'Connor earlier today. Who built the, uh, the Egyptian pyramids, Mr. Producer? I think the Jewish slaves. Matter of fact, I know that's true. It is a sad fact about mankind. But almost from the beginning, there have always been slaves. And not necessarily related to race. To race. Sometimes religion... Sometimes tribalism, sometimes one empire over another, sometimes, yes, race. Unfortunately, slavery's been around a long time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. The President's executive order is actually quite reasonable and likely very effective. It includes certification and credentialing. State and local law enforcement agencies must constantly assess and improve their practices and policies to ensure transparent, safe, and accountable delivery of law enforcement services to their communities. 
independent c- credentialing bodies can accelerate these assessments. And by the way, most of them are independently credentialed, but some aren't. Enhance citizen confidence in law enforcement practices and allow for the identification and correction of internal deficiencies before those deficiencies result in injury to the public or to law enforcement officers. By the way, as important and rational as these reforms are, it will not satisfy the mob in the media, the mob in the Democrat Party, the mob in the streets, and the mob uh, in, uh, in uh, sports casting business. The Attorney General shall, as appropriate and consistent with applicable law, allocate Department of Justice discretionary grant funding only to those state and local law enforcement agencies that have sought or are in the process of seeking appropriate credentials from a reputable independent credentialing body certified by the Attorney General. The Attorney General shall certify independent credentialing bodies that meet standards to be set by the Attorney General. And it goes on. What else? Information sharing. The Attorney General shall create a database to coordinate the sharing of information between and among federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial law enforcement agencies concerning the instances of excessive use of force related to law enforcement matters, accounting for applicable privacy and due process rights. And that database described... Uh, shall include a mechanism to track as permissible terminations or decertifications of law enforcement officers, criminal convictions of law enforcement officers for on-duty con- and so forth. So in other words, a one officer can't just leave one uh, police department and go to another police department without the various police departments knowing about that particular officer. And it updates that section. Next section, mental health, homelessness and addiction. Since the mid-20th century, America has witnessed a reduction in targeted mental health treatment. Ineffective policies have left more individuals with mental health needs on our nation's streets, which has expanded the responsibilities of law enforcement officers. So what are they suggesting? I'll cut right to the chase. And there's, there's significant additional information on this that you can get from the White House website. And that is, if, if there's a call that would appear to require somebody in the social services or health fields that they will, uh, they will accompany a police officer uh, to that particular call. That sounds very rational to me when, in fact, you can get that done. And sometimes up front you don't know that, but sometimes you do. Legislation and grant programs. The Attorney General, in consultation with the Assistant of the President for Domestic Policy and Director of OMB, shall develop and propose new legislation to Congress that could be enacted to enhance the tools and resources Available to improve law enforcement practices and build community engagement. And so there's a number of suggestions here, uh, including, I think, uh, the video cams. And so these are very, it seems to me, commonsensical, rational provisions. Uh, they were discussed as I read this with the various police organizations, uh, with various victims groups, um, with the various federal entities and certain members of Congress. And the president's getting absolutely no credit for anything because the Democrats, remember their model, they're not down for any revolution either. They are the system. They run the schools. They run entertainment. They run sports. They run the courts, even the Supreme Court. They run it all. They run it all. And yet they've done nothing. They've done nothing to prove the... uh, the, uh, the livelihood and the lives of people in the communities in which they rule with an iron fist, one-party rule. But don't worry. 
their surrogates, political and otherwise, they all get rewarded. Somehow they all get rich, they all get cozy. Teachers Union gives them an enormous amount of money for the elections. So the president puts out this proposal. He doesn't run any of these Democrat cities. He could just blow the whole thing off. Say, look, you elect a Democrat, they'll take it. He didn't do that. He said, no, I want to address this. And what do the Democrats say? Too little, too late, doesn't go far enough. That's what I mean. So their business model isn't America, the improvement of the communities which they run, or the improvement of the country generally. Their business model is all about power and money. That's what they're down for, their own enterprise, as I call it. To protect their own business, their own enterprise. And their business is power and money. Now, Tim Kaine. I'll get to him in a minute, and he really needs to be gotten to. Summer's here for everyone. A summer we're all sure to remember. And Chaminet is celebrating with you. A sale to remember. Right now, get the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness and the drawline treatment. And Chaminet will double your supply for free. Now's the time to say goodbye to puffiness, dark spots, crow's feet, and even firm up the delicate skin around the jawline and neck area. You'll get compliments or simply get 100% of your money back. 100%. Order Genesel now, and Chaminet will double your order for free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. And for results in minutes, the Genesel immediate effects is also free, plus a surprise luxury gift at checkout. Man, oh, Manischewitz, now's the time to act. I've been talking about this for years. Get double your order free now. All orders today are upgraded to free priority shipping. Hard to keep track of all these freebies. But it's even more important. It really works, or 100% of your money back. Go to Genesel.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. Or give him a call, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Here's Tim Kaine. Now, I might add that we should be applying at least some of the standards that these left-wing Democrats want to apply to police forces and the rest of society to the Senate. Now, honest to God, if you get 90, 95% of the black vote, and that's your party, and you have a handful of black senators. Why aren't they criticized for this? Why do we get these white liberals who get up and talk about African Americans, African American communities, that Trump's not doing it? This is part of their base. There's no other group of individuals who vote more consistently and in a bigger percentage for the Democrat Party than African Americans, or all black Americans for that matter. And what do they get for it? What do they get for it? If Tim Kaine were really down for the revolution, he'd say, you know what? I'm not running for re-election. I insist that my party get behind the nomination of a black American. But he'll never do it. Every other walk of life, do it. But when it comes to these egomaniacs and their power, no, no, protect the business model. Protect the enterprise. That is, the Democrat Party, that's their business. Now listen to this guy. He is, Mr. Producer, let's, let's go. We never heard from LeBron James, uh, his agent, or the L.A. 
Lakers uh, media office, did we? We've reached out to them. Not even a respectful response. Nobody from ESPN will come on this program. We can't get Democrats on this program. Let's reach out to Tim Kaine. Just tell him the truth. I want to talk about this that's in the Hill newspaper that he said that uh, America didn't inherit slavery. We created it. Cut to go. And we need to do much more within the criminal justice system, but also within all of our systems. Now, dis- can I stop again as I think of it? This man was the attorney general of Virginia. He was the governor of Virginia. Now he's a senator from Virginia. The president of the Confederacy had his monument at the Capitol building. When he was governor of Virginia, before that attorney general of Virginia, he never said we should take that monument down, Mr. Producer. Never. In fact, he didn't promote the removal of any of the Confederate-related statues. Never. He was the governor. Now he's going to lecture everybody. But what they should do, could do, would do, President hasn't gone far enough. But even worse, let's listen to him. Go ahead. And we need to do much more within the criminal justice system, but also within all of our systems, to dismantle the structures of racism that our federal, state, and local governments carefully erected and maintained. And what are those structures that we haven't dismantled? Now, see, we get... Systemic oppression, we heard that from the NFL commissioner. Systemic racism, we heard that from all the, from all the individuals who are protecting their, uh, their businesses and their enterprises. And now we're hearing um, that we have erected structures of racism. We've got a panoply of federal, state, and local laws that prevent that. So I want to know what he's talking about. We'll never know what he's talking about. Go ahead. We know a little bit about this in Virginia. The first African-Americans in into the English colonies came to Point Comfort, Virginia in 1619. They were slaves. So what he's doing is the New York Times report that America was founded in slavery. Go ahead. Captured against their will. But they landed in colonies. And who that- captured them? I'm just curious. If we wanted to hit, who captured these individuals? who first came to Point Comfort, Virginia in 1619. Who captured them? I want transparency. I want the whole history. Anyway, go ahead. Slavery. There were no laws about slavery in the colonies at that time. The United States didn't inherit slavery from anybody. We created it. It got created by the Virginia General Assembly. No, actually, that's not true. We didn't create slavery. First of all, listen to how moronic he is. The United States, 1619, there wasn't a United States. There weren't even really colonies. Some. It was a land. It was a territory. So, the United States didn't create slavery. That's an impossibility. Go ahead. 
legislatures of other states. It got created by the court systems in colonial America and sense that enforced fugitive slave laws. All right, he's, he's fugitive slave laws are two laws, most prominently, that were passed by the federal Congress. Uh, one with a different emphasis than the other, but for our purposes, I wrote about in Liberty and Tyranny, the fugitive slave, slave laws, uh, there the federal government was requiring the states to return slaves that had escaped or were taken out of slavery in the slave states and we get to the north or the free territories. But facts don't matter. Go ahead. It was, we created it. And we created it and maintained it over centuries. No, we didn't create it. We didn't create it at all. Look, I, I'm certainly not going to, uh, to paint over slavery in this country. My writings, I've never painted over it. In our discussions, I never painted over it. Nobody paints over it that I'm aware of who's uh, at least uh, relatively rational. But that's not the point. Why would you say that we created slavery in the United States when that's a lie? Many peoples were enslaved long before, long before people even knew if the earth was flat or not. Long before Christopher Columbus. Long before the Vikings. The Jews were slaves. Many peoples were slaves. People in Africa were slaves to people in Africa. In Asia. In China in particular, there were slaves. And there still are slaves. But what he can't do, and what he won't do, is point to another country on the face of the earth that has gone to such lengths shed as much blood to address slavery, to abolish slavery, and to address the the consequences and aftermath of slavery as the United States of America. Not another country on the face of the earth. But even apart from that, as Bob Woodson talks about and Walter Williams talks about and Shelby Steele and so many others, who last time I checked are African-Americans and Tim Kaine is not. They will tell you. And they have said on the air, you're free. All of us are free. We're free. Embrace your freedom. Please, live your life. But if you say that, see, there's something wrong with you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Joe Scarborough on the morning Joe today from Jupiter at his estate. Where there are almost no minorities, I might add. Go figure. Cut three, go. Yeah, and Willie, it, it is, it is, uh, it's not just about... By the way, Mr. I, I don't watch this show. How many African-Americans does he have on his roundtable there? 
He has a guest now and then, but does he have regulars? I don't know. Who? Glauday, that radical nutjob? All right, go ahead. What they are taught on paper, on, on you know, these reforms that they're pushing forward in Atlanta, which are good reforms, but it also, you, they have to look at race and they have to acknowledge race and they have to understand that if this were a white kid uh, in a white suburban neighborhood in Atlanta uh, that was just sleeping it off, he tried to resist arrest and was... See, here, here, this, is, this is a guy that knows nothing... And so he concocts a fiction and he says, see, now there was a white guy in a white suburban neighborhood in Atlanta. Well, I thought he said suburban and he was just sleeping it off. They wouldn't bother him. But that's not what happened. And the statistics don't bear that out. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This guy is trying to defend and promote his enterprise, his business. Not the truth. I'll be back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We have a special guest coming up in a bit this hour. If he remembers to call in, Mr. Producer. You may have heard of him, Sean Hannity. Yes, he'll be on the program. A rare thing. You're going to hear this phrase, qualified immunity. Now, a lot of people in government have qualified immunity. Members of Congress have complete immunity to do and say whatever they want on the floor of the House and the Senate. It's in the Constitution. And they're thankful that they do because of some of the reckless libels that they spew. uh, They're not responsible for legally. And other people in other walks of life have it as well, including police officers. Now, why do they have qualified immunity? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we have lawyers out there, some of whom are real sleazeballs. And what they would do is try and destroy the police force by destroying individual policemen, by bringing frivolous lawsuits or making allegations every time they feel a client or a client who they find has been wronged. You can bankrupt the police officer, destroy him and her or him or her family. And, of course, you make policing impossible. The Democrats would like to lift qualified immunity. But this is why we have qualified immunity, because otherwise we don't have police officers. So don't buy into this. Well, why do they get qualified immunity and I don't? Because you're not a cop. That's why. And you don't face slip and fall ambulance chasing lawyers. And every single so-called victim will hire one of these lawyers and bring one of these lawsuits. And that's the end of that. Nobody's going to want to be a cop and who the hell should be. It's better to be a criminal. Maybe a criminal in some of these cities. Oh, we have a bail reform, Mr. Producer. Now, what does that mean? You're a criminal? You don't have to serve any time. 
in one door, out the other. If you're a cop, no due process, you're fired and likely prosecuted. But Mr. Producer sounds something quite fascinating on Twitter. Beverly Beatty, an African-American woman outside Seattle's, what do they call it? Autonomous? I call it Seattle's crap hole. May I call it that? Uh, yes, I think I will. I'm sure it's quite pleasant there. Uh, I want you to hear her. She is confronting people in this magnificent part of Seattle, which has seceded from the nation. Something about Democrats and secession, Mr. Producer. Secession, nullification, they just can't get rid of this. Take a listen. Cut, four, go. I know people don't like Trump. I understand that. But let me tell you something. If I had to pick between him and Joe Biden, I'm not voting in Joe Biden. You want to see You want to see a bunch of black people go to jail by the next four years? Put Joe Biden in. Watch what happens. You want to see black men get killed substantially like, they, like you've never seen before? Put Joe Biden in and watch what happens. These Democrats, and I'm sorry to say this, I'm not trying to be racist, but they hate black people. These are the same people who fought to keep slavery in. These are the same people who built the KKK. These are the same people who hated us from the beginning. The Republican Party is the party of the blacks. Blacks free, the Republican Party is the only party that the black people actually assisted in finding. But all of that history has been torn away. People say, oh, there was this big switch. There was never a big switch. The union, the union won because we had grown in the industrial area era. So we were able to get trains and get supplies back to our soldiers while the Confederate was still riding horses. They were not able to get supplies back fast enough, right? So what happened was once slavery was abolished in the South, the people in the South could no longer make their money from slaves. They had to move to the North to work in the industry to produce. And so the people in the North that already had established themselves in the industry moved to the South. And so that's where it was a transfer of people coming from the South to the North and people coming from the North to the South. There was never a big switch. So the same Democrats who hated black people from the beginning are the same ones who hate us now. And they use our cause. How did Black Lives Matter turn into something about LGBTQ? When blacks really don't support that. We're conservative. We're really not about that. Not only that, we don't support abortion. We're about working. This is the black culture. We ain't even about that. Not only that, we're not about feminism. No, we're not. Black women marry their husbands and respect their husbands. That's what we on. We're not on this. Oh, I'm a, I do what I want. We don't no. do that. That's not our community. And you and I I know you understand. Come on, we don't do that. Wow. Mm-mm. Man, oh, man. The media better not find out who she is. They will definitely try to destroy her. You know, the systemically white, racist American media. Oh, yeah, they'll destroy this one. Wow. I thought you'd want to hear that. I hadn't heard it before. Quite amazing. Maya Wiley is at the New School University. She's a professor. I'm sure some of your tax dollars are supporting her. And she has so many profound things to say that MSNBC put her on. What was it that she said that was so crucially important? Cut nine, go. The Trump administration has reversed all of the major effort that the Obama administration set in place to keep more black people, more Latinos, more citizens safe from abusive police. Whoa, 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 no, they didn't. 
what the hell are you talking about? No, they didn't. You're talking about the social engineering and stuff like that, but you're absolutely wrong. Doesn't matter. She's a professor. Go ahead. If you consider that speech he just gave, not only was it full of misinformation, he literally over the lives and the first of all, it was a beautiful speech. It was not full of misinformation. MSNBC is not a news operation. None of these operations are news platforms, ladies and gentlemen. They are propagandists. As much as China has propagandists, as much as Russia has propagandists, as much as Iran has propagandists, these are propagandists. So they cherry pick what guests they're going to bring on for the sole purpose of propagandizing. It's really hard to find professors, too, who share their views. Go ahead people that he opened his announcement with actually started talking about the stock market and the incredible, you know, gains that we're going to have from big pharma. Well, I'm no, sorry. What he was talking about, you jackass, because I listened to the whole thing, was the low unemployment rate and the high employment rate in these communities and all across the country before the virus. And he brought up big pharma, she calls it, Because it's big pharma, which they hate, which is going to come up with the different therapies and the vaccines, perhaps, that we can use that will save people. But you can see she's a hardcore left-wing tenured big mouth. I know too many of these jackasses as a student and beyond. So why is she on MSNBC? Just to trash the president of the United States. She's an Obama supporter. That's what she is. Go ahead. Black communities have largely been excluded from the benefits of. And, you know, from the benefits of what? Record low unemployment in the black communities. What have they been excluded from? And how is it Trump's fault? Trump hasn't been in Washington 44 years like Biden. Or 30 or 40 years like Schumer and Pelosi. He's the outsider who came in. Go ahead. And, and ah, shut up, you idiot. Now, Van Jones on CNN. This guy's a true left-wing kook. But every now and then, he shows some graciousness and some class. Truly. Credit where credit's due. Cut eight. Go. And they basically just told their stories, uh, which uh, apparently, uh, according to people, he's I talking talk to, about the families, the vic- of the victims who met with the president today. Go ahead. Uh, and you know, I think the president was kind and gracious to them. I think Tim Scott, in particular, uh, was moved uh, by what was being said behind the scenes. Uh, I think it was good that there was, it was that did not turn into a big photo op. That did not turn into a kind of a big media moment. Uh, that was more of the process of trying to, to move this White House forward. And I, th- I think those families move this uh, White House forward to what, sir? We need to move the mayors and the governors that control these areas of the country. Lock, stock and barrel. They're the ones we have to move. Your party, Van Jones. You should be down for the revolution. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Love 
Well, you know what? I'm going to go to some calls. I don't know what happened to Hannity. Oh, is he with me? Sean Hannity, how are you, sir? We're sorry. You're called. There you go, Mr. Producer. We'll try and get him again. We're sorry. The call was cut off. All right. Let's see here. Sean Hannity, are you back? I am back, sir. How are you? Good. I got to buy you a new phone, I guess. Uh, hang on. Check it off speaker. Is that better? Yes. I, w- I want to talk to you about something because uh, yes, you sir. had me read your book. I did. Uh, I asked which is you, coming uh, out. Look it over. Which is coming out in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I got an early publisher's copy. I gave it to you. Yes, sir. And this is as if. It's very strange. It's as if you actually knew what was going to happen in the country here. It's called Live Free or Die, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is a very, very important American slogan in our history. And so I didn't think you were going to write a book again, and you wrote this book. And and give give me a feel for what this book is about. You know, Mark, um, you know I'm a big fan of your books, Liberty and Tyranny, Rescue and Sprite, all you know, you follow. You are the great constitutional thinker in the conservative movement. I'm not, but I look at this moment, and I, what I see in this moment is we're at a tipping point. We always say that every election. Oh, you know, this is a a choice election, unlike any other election. There's never been a greater choice. This time, it's real, mm-hmm. and. I, I, I just, I've been seeing it unfold and seeing it unfold. And you know, look, we do radio and TV and, and both of us, and you, it's hard to get into the deeper dive that I think we need to do. And what I did in this book, um, I wanted people to know what's at stake here. Reagan once said, you know, freedom is but one generation away from extinction. Uh, I, I start the book out, Ben Franklin famous, famously saying, what is it? What is it at the Constitutional Convention, a monarchy or a, a republic? His answer, a republic if you can keep it. And when I look at the 2020 Democrats, all of them, and I look at the history of socialism and I go into great, great detail, and I go into our founders and our framers, not, not, not in the way that you do, the deep dives you do, but enough to say this is what worked. This is what gave us the greatest standard of living ever. As I say, you know, no country's ever accumulated more power and abused it less and used it to advance the human condition more than ours. We're not saying we're perfect, but our framers and founders built a system where we can build a more perfect union. So... I lay out what the 2020 Democrats would do to this country. I lay out the principles that built this country. Uh, I lay out socialism and its history of failure, which is where the modern extreme radical Democrats would take us. And I explain that this is it. Everything is on the line here. Live free or die, America and the world on the brink. And I have a Latin phrase at the very bottom of the, of the cover. Live free or America dies. Here's the choice, Mark. It's capitalism versus failed socialism. It's the new Green Deal and everything is free and, and we'll do it without uh, any energy, oil, gas, the lifeblood of the world's economy. None of it. 
um, and, and you're going to have free nursery school, free pre-K, and free college, and forgive student debt, and Medicare for all, and guaranteed job, and guaranteed food, uh, guaranteed retirement, guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. How did Obamacare work out? Never mind. One, they can't do one thing right. Mm-hmm. Versus, and you know, what Donald Trump, and I did a whole chapter, I think it's the longest chapter of the book, actually, it ended up being, you know, when I finished it, and that is Donald Trump's accomplishments. Mm-hmm. You and I are both Reaganites, Mark. You worked in the Reagan administration. You were Ed Meese's chief of staff. And with you, when you look at judges, when you look at trade deals, when you look at peace through strength, when you look at um, securing our borders, you name the topic, every promise this man made, he kept. Coronavirus hit. Okay, we, we shut down the economy. But even opening up partially, the first indication is this country is going to be roaring back by the third quarter. At the end of the third quarter, we'll get those numbers in October. And I look at this guy that's hiding out in his basement, and even Terry McAuliffe is saying, oh, no, 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 I, I, I love Joe in his basement. He only sees two guys a day, you know, both body men. It's fine. He's fine in the basement. Leave him in the basement. Never seen a campaign like that in my life. But he won't be in charge, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that if this radical, extreme, predictably failure, uh, you know, a history of failure, socialist agenda takes over, Mark, I believe America, the United States of America, the land we love, as we know it, as we grew up in it, will be unrecognizable for our children and our grandchildren, Mark. And you know what? You know me. I haven't written a book in 10 years. Right. You like writing. I don't like it. It's too much work. I started the research over a year ago for this book, and I kept it as up to date as I can, adding a last chapter on coronavirus. And I I expose the deep state. I expose the impeachment hoax. This is it, Mark. Uh, listen, I want loving liberty, loving Americans. Your, your TV show, Life, Liberty and Levin. You want freedom? You want liberty? That's what is on the ballot, Mark Levin, in 140 days. Well, I, I want to tell you this. I get a lot of authors, a lot of books here. You, This is a rallying cry for the nation, yes, for the people who love this country. Yes, sir, it is. It, it is the most comprehensive review of the culture, of the news, of events that's taking place. And you lace it through with... If the left gets a hold of this country, what they're going to do to us. I mean, it, and it's readable. It's in plain English. You unravel the culture. You unravel what's going on with government. You unravel the parties. You contrast the principles. You relate it back to history. I mean, it's a fantastic book. It really is. Listen, yeah, when you called me after you read it, you said, I don't know if you remember what you said. To me. You said, don't change a thing. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. Yes. And I wanted to put in print what is at stake, because I can't do it in a three-hour radio show, and I can't do it with a one-hour TV show, which, by the way, starts at about a half hour. All um, right, hold on. i got to take a hard breath. I want you for five more minutes. Okay, you got it. Just hang in there. The book is Live Free or Die. You can pre-order. It doesn't come out for a few weeks, but I'm te- the reason I asked Sean to come on is I got an advanced copy. I read it in three nights. I said, holy mackerel, this is a killer. And I wanted you to be aware of this. I'll be right back. 
Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. By the way, America, here's a little secret. Inside secret. You always pre-order the book. Now, why do you always pre-order the book? Because it's 50% off on Amazon. 50% off. They want to see how the book's going to do. So that's the t- this is a little inside secret. I know it with my own books. I'm sure it's with Sean's too. So you go to Amazon.com. You enter um, a Sean's name. You enter his name. And the book pops up, Live Free or Die. And I'm guessing, I haven't looked, I'll bet it's 50% off. That's when you strike. That's when you get it. And then when the book comes out, you'll be the first to get it. From Amazon. And I might also add, as a little inside, Sunday's Father's Day. Well, Mark, if I order it, I don't get the book. It doesn't matter. You can print out the, the information and tell your father, your husband, your son, whomever it is, that you ordered the book. And the moment it comes out on August 4th, you're going to get a copy of it. But this is the way you get 50% off. You don't even have to leave your house. It shows up at your door. And why is that important? It's important because it's a very, very well-timed, compelling book, almost prescient in the sense that, Sean, I have to tell you, I told you this when you, when you sent it to me and I looked at it and read it, and that's this. You break down every piece, ev- everything in here, and, um, it's, and it's not a slog. You know, you get books, and you go, oh, my God. No, it just moves from one chapter to the next. Mark, listen, you're, you're a dear, dear, dear friend. That's the truth. You, 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 listen, I, you know, people, oh, you must be doing it for money. I, 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 I think you have enough penny. money. He buys every I, dinner. I, every time I, I, I have dinner every, with him. Yeah. I gave every penny of my last book away. Don't every worry penny. about that. Talk about but the book. Mark, I'm worried for the country, Mark. I'm worried that, that people don't know what built this country. That's why I devote an entire chapter on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've devoted books on it that are number one bestsellers. I didn't do it for that. I don't think people know a history of failure of socialism. When I was, when I, re- I did a lot of research on this book, a lot. And when you look at the 2020 agenda, this is nothing new. It's been tried and it fails miserably every mm-hmm. single time. The only system of governance that works is ours. And, and that's why we, we accumulate power. We don't abuse it. We lift the world up. No, we're not a perfect country, but we can become a more perfect union, and we do it, and history's proven that we do it. And I am extraordinarily worried now. If, if the Democrats win this race in 140 days, Mark, this country will be unrecognizable in a very mm-hmm. short period of time, and I don't think there'll ever be a, a moment to fix it. You know, people say, well, I don't like the fact Donald Trump fights. Good. I like fighters. You know, I like you, Mark. You're a fighter. You get out there. You kick ass every day and night on radio and TV, and we need passionate patriots now. All hands on deck. I lay out their agenda. I lay out the president's agenda. There's no comparison, Mark. This is not your typical, oh, moderate Democrat. We're not going to tell that we're really radical socialists that want a Green New Deal. 
they're now saying everything on steroids that we knew that they believed. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to say that my love, look, I'm not worried about myself. I don't really, I'm, I, I don't, I've lived a great life. I care about your kids. I care mm-hmm. about my kids. I care about our grandkids. I care about everybody in every Levinite in your audience. Mark, this is a rallying call. Wake up because mm-hmm. these people that tried to undermine this guy every step of the way. We've been through three plus years of utter hell based on lies, smears, slander, besmirchment, attacks, a phony impeachment, breathtaking hypocrisy, a mob in the media, and they are a mob, Mark. Oh, yeah. They hate this man. They hate him, and they have been trying from day one to tear him down. And the thing is, in every chapter, as I research and research, you know, I forget all the things I even discuss on our shows every day that you and I discuss. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you put it all together, it's like it hits you in the face. It's like a, wow, this can't happen in this country. You can't try and use the power of the state and, and abuse your power to try and help elect a president and then have an insurance policy to destroy this man. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, this, this is not a game to me. Freedom is not a game. Liberty is not a game. America is the greatest system of governments ever created in the history of mankind, Mark Levin. And I will tell you, we owe it to all the patriots that that came before us. Those that fought, those that bled, those that died, people like your father, people like my father. My father fought in the Pacific four years that came here and got an opportunity. It's about, look, on foreign policy, it's simple. It's about appeasement versus peace through strength. We're going to either give mullahs in Iran $150 billion in cash and other currency, or we're going to have the biggest, toughest, meanest military that can defend freedom. There's not much of a debate there. That's what it's about. On the economy, okay, do you believe in open borders and sanctuary cities and sanctuary states? Uh, do you believe that we should control our borders? I believe we have the right to do that and should. No country can survive by allowing, you know, 90% of the heroin in this country crosses that border. On the issue of judges, well, thank God this president's appointed a lot of them, but we need more. Mm-hmm. And they're probably, the next president's going to have two, if not three, Supreme Court vacancies to fill. Mark, let, let, that, is, that is generational impact on the country. Let me say this, because I, I know you have to go soon for your TV show, but I want, I want to say this. You've had several books in your past. And not to put them down, this is by far your best. I think it is. Ten years ago, Mark. I ten swore, years ago. I swore. Never. Never again. Well, you've actually it. gotten better. And I want to tell you this. Thank me. That uh, this book could not be more timely. It's important for this election. You know how people used to wave around liberty and tyranny during the Tea Party oh uh, revolt? Of course. Well, this is the book they need to wave around on this election. Live free or die. Because the content lays it all out. And I just want people to know for Father's Day, this is the book. Or if you have people who are on the fence, you're not sure how they're going to vote, give it to them. If you have kids who are kind of leaning towards this kind of revolutionary stuff, give them the book. And for us, it's not just a refresher. It's that. Listen. But you learn a lot of new information in here. Go ahead. I'm going to say one thing. You know, everyone thinks that uh, that all of us in radio and TV you know, are competitive and hate each other. There's nothing further from the truth. I am genuinely appreciative of your great constitutional scholarship and your mind and your reminders, your books, your radio show, your TV show. 
I am appreciative. Thank God for Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Thank God for the few of us at Fox News that, mm-hmm. you know, tell truth daily. Um, the, because it's pretty much they have a monopoly on everything else. And the great hope I have is in the American people. And I'll end with this. I am hoping in 140 days that we, the people, shock the world again and that we can watch these media, you know, elites and their heads spin around in circles and they projectile vomit green puke. (laughs) And when they hear the words, we can now project that Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States of America. That's what I want to hear, Mark. That's my dream. But you also right point out, what if we hear Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States, and you're saying, folks, we've got time to fight this, and we need to, and here's all okay. the, the Mark, energy. can we yeah. have some honest talk? Yeah. If the guy ever had a fastball, mm-hmm. it's long gone. If he ever had a curveball, that's gone, too. If he had a slow pitch, I don't even see that. You know, we can beat around the bush all we want. A question exists here. Does he have the mental alertness? No, he doesn't. He's not with it. Everyone knows it. He's not with it. I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm just, does he have the strength? No, you and I are worried about the country. We're not worried about one person. No, he doesn't have it. No, but then who's going to run the country? Exactly. A cabal of leftists. Well, I don't believe in leftism, Mark, and I wrote a whole chapter about the failure of socialism, leftism. Statism, mm-hmm. as you call it. Well, listen, this is going to be a fantastic, it is, a fantastic book for those of you who act quickly. I did just go on Amazon, Sean. It is 50% off the book's wow, $15. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah, and it's perfect time for Father's Day. So pre-order. It's coming out in a few weeks. It's not like yeah, it's a few months. You, and I wish you I all the best with be, it. I want this country, I, I believe in America. The, the, this is the country that took in my poor grandparents poor all of them this is the country that took my parents poor depression world war ii four years in the pacific that i stand on their shoulders mm-hmm. and i want this to be that shining city on the hill it can be but it's the ultimate jury your audience we the people the american people will decide god help us if we make the wrong choice amen all right, all right sean brother. god Love bless you, Mark. you. Great Love you too. god bless us there he goes and he'll be on TV in about 15 minutes. You'll see him on Fox. And the son of a gun's dragged me on his show for tomorrow night, Mr. Producer. How about that? I don't think this was intended. It couldn't be because, of course, Sean couldn't predict what was going to take place in the last two weeks. But this is real pushback. Real pushback. And I'm telling you, I, I read a ton. Whether it's research for the show, research for TV, research for a book whether it's all the books that are sent to me by authors and so forth, you're really going to like this one. I think it's going to get you excited. It's going to put you in a positive mood. You're going to get ready to fight for this election. That's what this book does. It is a, it is a call for liberty. It is a call for our country. If you hate our country, you don't want it. Trust me. But if you love our country, you do want it. It's live free or die. Go to Amazon right now. You'll get 50% off. Order it for Father's Day. You won't get the book, but you can let your husband or your father, your, your son or your brother know that it's in the works. And as soon as it comes out, they'll be the first ones to get it. 50% off. I told you, that's when you get it, when the pre-orders come. 
but it's what's between the covers that matters. It's a great, great book. Trust, you'll read it and you'll let me know. You'll say yes. Trust me. One thing I know is books. Yeah, I'm a bookworm. I can't help it. Mark Lovin. Okay, Mr. Producer, look at the call screen. To whom shall I speak? All right, the great WABC, Mo on Long Island, go. Hey, how's it going, Mark? Very well, thank you, sir. So, uh, Mark, I just want to make a couple of points against this uh, systemic racism uh, topic. And uh, you want to know how I know that this, this, the systemic racism thing is, uh, is nonsense. I grew up with a lot of black people. My parents are Hispanic. I don't know a single friend of mine that stayed out of trouble, did really tried his hardest in school, and did not succeed in life. And, and that's mm-hmm. what this country's about. But I'll tell you one thing. I know more than I can count in my head right now that got caught up in the culture, and this is including myself, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I got caught up in the culture of rap music and hip hop and all this other stuff and thinking that selling drugs is cool or hanging out and doing and, and chasing girls is the fun life and people that, that ruin their lives. And I thank God because I was able to bring myself back together. I have a strong family that pulled me back mm-hmm. in, but not so many other people are that lucky. And I just wish that some of these big-time athletes and artists and, and, and other people out there took the opportunity to point that out. And, and, and I think it would have made a huge difference. But they make excuses it. for people who aren't responsible for themselves in too many instances. That, that's absolutely true. And, and, and so they're not I, helping anybody when they do that. No, they're not. They, this is a missed opportunity, is what I think it was, for, 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 the, for a lot of people in the black community. Well, I, I just think with a lot of these very wealthy Democrats who've been commenting about all this, for them, again, it's about protecting the business, the enterprise of the Democrat Party and their own wealth and their own stature. Uh, it's not It's not about being down for any kind of revolution. Hey, Mo, call again, man. I appreciate your call very much. Craig, Highlands Place, New, York, uh, New Jersey, please. The great WABC. Go. Oh, hey, Mark. Best show ever. I listen every night. Well, uh, this you. was phenomenal. And thank you so much. Thank you for what you do. And can't, thank you for fighting the fight. You know, I think it was to follow up on Sean Hannity. Uh, was it Reagan who, who said the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money? In that case, that it was, was Margaret Thatcher. Ah, okay. Um and uh, Eric Hopper, phenomenal. Craig, I got to go. I Call tomorrow. We'll bring you in tomorrow. I apologize. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And I want to salute the president. Thank you. I know you love the country and you're doing everything you can against a very, very vicious and evil opponent, the Democrat Party. See you tomorrow. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.